Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Graham Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 38th episode. Today, I have an awesome guest, and her name is Cherie Sam. She's a two-time WNBA champion, and she's going to talk about her championship mindset. In this conversation, she's going to share the different dynamics that existed between the two championship teams she played on, the 2004 Seattle Storm and the 2008 Detroit Shock. She's also going to talk about her college coach, Jim Foster, at Vanderbilt University, how he taught her a key lesson in developing mental toughness, and we're going to talk a little bit about life after basketball as well. So I can't wait for you to hear this awesome interview and hear the championship mindset of Cherie Sam. So let's go talk to Cherie. Hey, Cherie, how are you? I'm doing good, Grant. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to have you on my show today to talk about just your mindset as a basketball player and, and also the mindset that you developed while you were playing at the professional ranks, how that actually helped you, you know, in life after basketball and, and has helped you to get to this, to this spot right now as an athletic director for Mercy High School. So I'm super excited to, to talk about your journey and your stories. So my favorite question that I always start off this podcast with is, what does mentally tough mean to you? Mentally tough. That's, I would say it means whatever it takes, um, having the capacity to focus on the task, on the goal, um, and not get distracted by the, the noise. And was there ever a time where, when you look back in your career, uh, whether it's college or professional, was there a moment where you just realized, like, it's time to be mentally tough or that you were mentally tough? I would say that moment probably came during college, playing for Jim Foster, love coach. <laughs> but he, he, he got the best out of you, and he would push you to limits you didn't really know you had. And uh, I would probably say sophomore year, just uh, being challenged. Uh, it was, I mean, they're gonna, freshman year, I didn't play much. I mean, I'm coming from high school. I'm recruited by all these schools, and I pick a school and I don't play. So as a player who, a person who's always had basketball, always played, always started to not playing, um, that was challenging. Mm. Um, so in the freshman year, I go in the coach's office. I want to transfer. I'm not playing. I'm not happy. And he could have just said, okay, fine, we'll transfer you. But he challenged me to, to accept the challenge of not playing, to do what I needed to do to get better, to be productive here at Vanderbilt. So he said you could either go away and go play or you could face that adversity and do what needs to be done to play here. And from that moment, from that challenge, it was I knew I had to, one, make a decision. Um, <laughs> right. But just having that challenge in front of me and being able to go back and think about, you know, what he said and then what would make me a better person I think at that point, I knew I had some aspects of mental toughness. I hadn't figured it all out yet, but I knew in order to accept this challenge and to be there and to accept the daily challenges from him that I had some parts of the mental toughness needed. Got it. Now, when you think of, again, college or professional, were there any other athletes that you either played with or played against that were mentally tough like you just they were the ones that like were the example of being mentally tough oh wow um Teresa Edwards comes to mind because 
call her old school. T was like one of the uh, first to ever play most successful uh, Olympian five gold medals. Um, so growing up, she was someone as a basketball player you idolized, you looked up to. Was a very impersonal. I mean, not really outgoing, just into herself. But like you would see that and see that as strength, I guess, because you knew like when you stopped on the court, like she was unstoppable. Nothing can stop her off the court. More meek and mild, like yeah. to herself. So just seeing that part of her and how she handled tasks and the way she performed on the court, that's someone I could say oh, she she is mentally tough. Awesome. Um, just able to block everything out and just focus on basketball. Awesome. Awesome. Now, when did you realize basketball was your gift? Well, I knew it was my passion. I knew I had a passion for sport, and I knew basketball more than others was a sport that I really, really enjoyed doing. Probably more towards the end of high school when you start getting uh, letters from colleges and these coaches telling you how great you are yeah. is when I realized I had a gift. I knew it was something I liked to do, but I didn't really realize how talented I was until starting to get recruited uh, to go to college. And what fueled your competitive mindset or, your, or just your overall mindset? What was that fuel? Make a better life. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are there are different fuels, different things. I mean, there was long term goals. Um, that was probably fueled by more. What do you want to do in life? What are you going to do in your career? And then there were just wanting to win. Uh, those uh, kind of built a fire and motivated me. So I would just say, um, just always wanting to improve and be a better person okay. were things that just motivated me to get better daily. Awesome. Awesome. Now, getting in your into your mind a little bit as an athlete, how did you get how did you get prepared for games? Were you when you were dealing with nerves, or, or did you deal with nerves? Right? Um, how did how were you? Because a lot of people when they when they get prepared, they like to be left alone. They like to talk. They like to have music on. Like, what was your routine? My routine. Uh it's so, because some I'm just thinking when you say routine, I'm thinking of teammates who had this dead on routine that they had to do daily. And I think with me, it, it kind of just went with the game, you know, the the importance of the game or just kind of the mood of the expectations. But normally go to shoot around, get a good meal, and then just mostly I didn't take naps. Everyone's like, everybody takes nap. I never took a nap. It was more my mind had to keep going. So I was either listening to music, reading a book, or watching TV, I had to stay active up until Got it. tip. You're right, exactly. There was no quite, you know, a lot of people, there was no solid moments to just like, let's get it going, like just trying to stay active. Right. And it, isn't it crazy, like what happens after tip? Like what happens, just all that goes away? All of the nervousness? Yes, yeah. yes. It, all be, it just becomes basketball right. again. Like yeah. it's all this hype. And um, like just playing in the WNBA championship, I remember playing for Seattle. We were the higher seed, and it's the best of three. Remember the night before, we were all excited, like eating dinner with my teammates, Sue Bird, Lauren Jackson, Adia, and tell her, like, we're just sitting there excited because we were playing for the championships. Go out the first day, and nothing went right. We lost that first game, and it's just mm. like, how could we be so meant? Well, we said we were mentally ready, like, just talking about it. Oh, I'm so excited right. we're going to play. And then to go out and then not perform well and lose that game. And then to go back to Seattle well, we have to win these two games. And so they're drilling for that, that second game and just trying to really focus, see what we did, didn't do the night before to what we needed to do for that game. So, But then that's all this pressure. We got to win, got to win. But then when the ball goes up, 
we just out there having fun playing basketball. Right. And how did you deal with pressure? Whew. Um, <laughs> uh, again, just depending on the situation, outlets. Um, to me, it was just I was a trash talk a little bit on the court. So it was to me, it was just getting out there, getting losing myself in the game. Mm. Um, and it kind of just all went away. It just became basketball, what I've enjoyed, what I've done for my whole life. And that's, it's not easy to do, but that's always been my case. I didn't have to separate. It's just like once I stepped on the court, it became basketball, and I was able just to have fun and play and not really think about, oh, if I miss this shot, we, this is going to happen. It just was like in the moment playing. Right, right. Now, this is a broad question, but you're a two-time WNBA champion, which is awesome. But how would you define the champion mindset? Oh, That's a good one, Grant. Champion mindset. Um, again, it's knowing knowing what it takes, being disciplined um, to do the little things, the details, um, have a plan, and just confidence, a belief in in your preparation and yourself and your teammates. Mm. I think that's huge in a, a championship team culture. It's just that confidence and belief in each other and the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was it like winning your first championship versus your second championship? It's nothing like the first <laughs> in most things. Um, you know, that, that first championship, again, it, goes, it just goes back to that team in Seattle. It was probably one of the closest, best teams I've ever been on. Um, it's like when you hear about all championship teams, how they, there's a chemistry and players just get along. We had that in, in Seattle. We were off the court connected, on the court connected. We had that friendship and we just built. Um, I mean, a lot of we were together less than three months because we had all just gotten traded and settled in. But because we were able to form those bonds off the court, I think we we're able to, to speed up our chemistry on the court. So I think with that, Seattle was definitely more of that team aspect, that chemistry that led to us winning the championship. You know, we weren't picked to win it, but because we had all those other things that clicked at the same at the right time, we're able to go on and be victorious. Mm. You know, my second championship in Detroit, <laughs> it's totally opposite. You know, I'm, I'm on the team with a bunch of studs. Uh, got Bill Lambert's coaching. Um, you got Katie Smith, Deanna Nolan, Cheryl Ford. So you're expected, we're expected to win. We had the talent. So it was a difference there than in Seattle because, again, we weren't expected to win, but we kind of bonded and came together. Whereas Detroit is like everyone knew their job, their role. We didn't have to go to dinner and form these friendships. Right. But when we stepped between the line, everybody respected each other's roles and we were able to, to come together and win that way. Got it. In 2008 was when you won your second championship, yeah. which was your last season. And did you know that going into that season? I didn't. Oh. I, didn't um, I didn't expect that to be my last season. Things happened. What was my last season in the WNBA? Again, I think with... Going back to looking at things with Detroit, Seattle, I was I was a starter. I played 30-plus minutes on that team. Mm. Whereas when I got to Detroit, I started. Playoffs came, minutes decreased. I didn't play as much. I think I got my first DNP in Detroit oh, right. ever in my career. So that was something adjusting to. I think that probably be the main difference, the mental aspect of always being a major contributor. And then now you're winning a championship, but you're not a major contributor. And I think... Players, well, me personally, it's a different feel, whereas you're a major contributor, part of starter, and then 
you don't play as much, but you know you contribute, but there's still some mental aspect that goes like, you know, how relevant am I? And, you know, makes does this make this championship less? Right. It doesn't, but some aspects, Yeah. it does. Well, I, I talk a lot, this topic, I talk a lot about this on my show, but it's the next man up mindset and this, the next woman up mindset, right? Sure. So we talk about, you know, what's it like, you know, being the man, not being the man, being the man, not being the man, or never being the person at all for years and years and years. And in that moment, you get called on. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know if you know uh, Charlie Batch, but when he played quarterback for the oh. Steelers, you know, I think he started, he was a quarterback for the Lions for maybe a year or so, but then he, like, for, I don't know, eight years, like, he was the backup. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where he got his number called, and he played as if he played the whole game. He, like, found the rhythm and right into it. So, you know, going back to what you were saying, you know, you have been the woman the whole time, and and then you kind of were not that role, especially in 2008. So how did you deal with that preparation, and how did you deal with that emotionally? You struggle at times uh, because, one, it's a team sport, and you never want to be perceived as selfish. Mm. But at, there are times when you don't play, and when you do get the victory and you still don't play, there's still some me in there because you want to be out there. Um, so it's 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 a hard thing to balance. Um, I think with me it helped because of the players and the, the coaching staff. I didn't have to prove anything at that point in my career because it was already known what I was about as a player. So that helped. Um, but it, it's still you lose confidence, you lose yourself, and trying to find that balance to where the team's successful. I should be happy or ex- resilient, but at the same time, the passion of wanting to play is always tugging at you emotionally, like to want more, to want to be on the field and not have the complete satisfaction, I guess, that most would have because you didn't contribute. Now, in, in 2002, you were named to the All-Star team mm-hmm. when you were playing for Miami Soul. Talk to me about that season. What was it that, that made it so good for you to be part of that All-Star team? Well, just I guess just the way I was uh, – the way I became a part of the team, because the coaches vote for the reserves, whereas most of the top, the fans are voted in. Um, so I guess just that having the coaches recognize what I did daily for the team and um, wanting me to to be on the all-star team or see me as an all-star, that was huge. Because, up, you know, up at that time, I just I came from Miami. I was waived by Orlando a year before. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, again, um, so it's just like to, to find that home again and start building that again. I mean, that was huge for me. Um the Miami era with Coach Rodstein and, and Tony and those guys, like they really got the best out of me. Um, I think we were building something spectacular there in, in Miami. And unfortunately, it, it disbanded as well right. and stuff. So, But that was a huge year for me. I mean, confidence-wise, it kind of solidified um, the work I had been putting in. Mm, awesome. Now, when you, when you look back at the beginning of your career, so in 1996 – you come out of Vanderbilt, but you end up going to the ABL League, uh, playing for the San Jose Lasers. Why the ABL League versus the WNBA? Because I think they were started almost at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. I mean, I think with a lot of players among myself, it just was a choice to play now or wait and play again. Never did I think coming out of college I would have the opportunity to choose a professional league to play in. Because you hear the stories how leagues start and leagues fold. So just having that opportunity to say, hey, I can go play professionally in the States was important to me. And then as most of the Olympians, 96 was huge for the Olympic team, the women's basketball oh, yeah. that traveled that year. And 
when we started the ABL, you had eight or nine out of the 12 Olympians were all committed to the ABL. Oh, wow. The only three that weren't were Lisa, Rebecca, and Cheryl Swoops. They were committed to the NBA, WNBA. Everyone, every other Olympian signed with the uh, ABL. So that, that influenced you. That's like, hey, all these Olympians are going here. I'm going to go here. And mm. I think the model was right. I mean, the, it was during regular basketball season. The, uh, the pay was definitely come out of college or something that you never expected. So that was there, too. But just the influence from all the other Olympians, so Jennifer Azy, Dawn Staley, Teresa Edwards, Katrina McClain, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Like, all these great players are going to be playing in this league. I, I had to be a part of it. Awesome. Obviously, this this movement, this this new gender within the basketball sport, did you feel like how, – how did that feel to be a part of that movement? Oh, that was, it was awesome. Leading up to that 9-16, I mean, USA basketball is something I grew up playing. I was on the teams. I actually tried out for the for the 96 Olympic team, was was up into the trials until, you know, right up until I got cut, one of the last few cut for that team. So I got to see, like, the work from the beginning and from when they were taking pictures that night and leaving for their tour the next day. I got to see the work that they put in and to see the after, like they went 60-0, I think it was, or yeah. 59-0. And it's just like, wow. So just to be a part of that greatness, to witness it as a young player and see it, it definitely set the tone for my my goals and what I wanted to achieve as a professional player. Now, I, I there's a lot of questions that I, I have on my show that are that are posed for, for athletes to learn from. And when you think about transition, especially the, the mindset when you have to deal with multiple transitions, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay connected to the game? When you think about your 13-year career, when I'm, you know, and I'm looking at the ABL and the WNBA, you moved, I believe, eight different teams. Mm-hmm. How did you mentally deal with those transitions? Dude, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when you go back and you look at it, I think seven of the or seven teams no longer exist that I played for. A lot of the teams to spend it. going back to the ABL days. Yeah. It was the ABL, then it was Orlando, then it was Miami. Um, then it was Charlotte. All these teams are no longer there that exist. And so it, especially leaving Miami after being an all-star in the next season, not having that team, that probably was the hardest. Um, I went to Minnesota to the Lynx in a dispersal draft. And I'm going to a team that's, you know, pretty much solidified with their stars at Katie Smith, Brasimova. You know, they have their, their team. So to, to, that was the biggest to me to transition from being an all-star, being the leader of that Miami team, so now I'm in the dispersal draft, and I'm going to a team that clearly have their leaders. Mm. Um, Katie Smith, who I've battled with my whole career, you know. <laughs> right. um, same. So that was a hard transition for me because it's like, what is my place? Who am I as a player again? You got to start building that all over again. Like I said, I got waved in Orlando, so I had to build that up in Miami. And then you build it up in Miami, and then it's gone again. So that was a hard transition to mentally say, hey, I still got the game. That was pretty much my motivation every day. The game's still the game. Just go out and play. Um, But it was still a hard transition to go from Miami to Minnesota. Right. No, I I think when you think about transition, it's it's one thing to transition from team to team. There's also, you know, there's a whole mindset of transitioning out of the sport. And we'll get into that a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, in a few minutes here. But, you know, identity issues come up like, you know, who am I now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm usually doing this during the summer and I'm not doing it anymore. So so transition can look, you know, it can look like a few different things. But the fact that the way that you handled it, which is awesome, because if you put it in perspective, right, 
it's, it's the same game. Nothing's changed, mm-hmm. right? And that's why when you think about, like, the Super Bowl and the finals, everyone puts up all this hype. But you know what? The, the size of the hoop hasn't changed. The basketball is still the same. Right. right? It's just a moment. It's just a moment, right? When you think about your career, what do you think your proudest moment is or proudest achievement? That's always a hard one. Um, there's different aspects. Um, I mean, I guess my proudest achievement that I was able to to play basketball so long and, and to make a living out of it, that's something I'm proud of, just knowing that back when I was seven, eight, going playing outside on the mm. courts to the point where I'm, I'm a professional athlete that's, uh, you know, playing the WNBA, I'm playing in Europe, and I'm, and I'm getting a salary to do it. So that in itself, making it to that point, was, was definitely a proud me moment. Graduating from college, as the youngest of eight, wow. first to graduate from college, that was a proud, because I know what it meant to my mom and my family, so that was a proud m- moment that I'm definitely tops in my career. And then the epitome, winning championships. Winning the WNBA championships, no one, everyone starts off wanting to, to get to that title. And the fact that I was able to win two, um, it's definitely some the moments that I climb back and say, hey, you know, you hung in there and look, you, you know, you did it, you achieved, you won the championship, you're a champion. Yeah. How was it like waking up the next morning when you're like, regardless if it was the first championship or second, you just wake up and you're like, I'm a champion. Yeah, it took a while for us to go to sleep. <laughs> I bet. You know, you win and the drilling. I remember our teammates, we just won the game, and it was like 8 a.m. It's like late at night, but to us it was 8 a.m. in the morning. We didn't want that night to end. Right. But when you finally do all the drilling, goes away, the confetti's going, and there's that moment like, you know, everything you've been working for every morning, getting up in the offseason, going to the workouts every day, competing in practice, you know, it's done. Like, you're a champion. This is what you did that all those years for Mm. this moment. And I guess that's when it kind of sits in and you got the parades and you're with your teammate. That's when it sinks in like, wow, champions. I bet. (laughs) That's great. What was it like being inducted to the Vanderbilt's Hall of Fame? Oh, talk about moments in your career. I even mentioned that one. Um, Just that was that was big. I think about it just because I know doing college from my talk told you earlier about my freshman year not playing and staying mm. um and turning that whole situation around by accepting that challenge and figuring it out like as coach foster would say figure it out yeah. you know that it shows that i figured it out um and you know Van- vanderbilt um presented many different obstacles academically um just being in different cultures from what i'm growing up so it was i was able to one just make something positive all that and come out successful because um, again, it was it wasn't easy, um, cultural wise, and and just being in that environment, the demands from coaches and being away from home. So all that to me culminated to you being recognized for all that work and all that sacrifice you did. So mm. and then you know just meeting the other people that I went in there with yeah. is also you know we have a Vanderbilt. I will always be a part there. I knew I would too, but now it's it's in the books. It's chartered, yeah. and I was you know. It's always official, but it's official. Yeah, it's it's always official, but it's official. And just to be recognized by that, and to go into that, I would have never dreamt that That's at awesome. all. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. When you look back at your career, like your whole career, what do you? And, and when you walked away from the game, and what I mean, like as an athlete, because I know you still coached for a little bit after, what did you learn the most about yourself? 
Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm still learning daily about myself. <laughs> um, but I would say that um, I, I guess mental, like so we won't say on the mental aspect, I learned that I I'm, I'm probably had weaknesses, but also strengths. And just to delve into that, like just playing, like I said, there were a lot of teams that folded in and dispersal draft. And I remember this. I remember being in Indiana, um, getting picked up by Indiana because Charlotte team had dispersed, and I got drafted to go to Indiana to play with the great catchings. And um, I remember us going through that year, and we made it to the finals, and we actually lost to Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. And and I remember us after the game, we were like, oh, making that pack to all come back for the next year and prepare and to be strong for the season. And in the off season, you don't get signed mm, back there. So right. that learning, that's not a, easy to deal with as a player, but dealing with that and then um, having the strength to deal with that and, and to move on. I, I mean, obviously it's something that reoccurred in my career as far as the teams folding, but it was a little bit different in Indiana because again, you never see it coming and then it happened and having to deal with it and then go right away to your next team and be all in for them, which happened to be Detroit, the team mm. we lost to in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. So, and then now, now I'm on those girls. Now I'm on their team. I just lost to them in the finals, battled against them, and so here I am now on your team. Um, so that's that's a hard thing to to transition from and to deal with. And I think my career taught me how to deal with those situations more than had I not experienced the dispersal drafts and the different teams. So I would think. The game taught me more how to how to handle situations that you can't plan for or you don't right. expect. Yeah. Um, just from dealing with that. So I think now in my in my life I'm able to when things come up unexpected, I'm be like, Okay, it's happening for a reason. I'm able to deal with that more now because I dealt with unexpectancy throughout my career. Yeah. You know, and this just comes up for me right now because um, you know, recently I just interviewed Sue Phillips who is, um, you know, varsity women's coach for Midi High School, number one team in the country. Yes. And you were talking about, you know, what you've done in your life to get prepared for the unexpected. And what she does at various, not various, but some parts of her, her practices, what she'll do is she will do unexpected things that are kind of maybe unrealistic, but she wants her team to start to, to be problem solvers. And to think on their feet. So there's sometimes where she'll like out of nowhere just throw a flat ball to a to one of the players and say play, you know. And some of them will say, well, it's it's flat, we can't bounce it. She's like play, mm-hmm. so figure it, out. figure it out, figure it out, right? Like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So let's work on the passing game, right? So it's just those moments, those little things you get from sports and how mm-hmm. you can act, how they translate to life. Totally. I mean, sports has always been a teaching moments to me. Um, I, the skills you learn our life skills to me that sport I mean me personally has taught me a lot of life skills and how to translate that to everyday life things you do in sport and I think that's one of the biggest um what's the word I'm looking for just paybacks you get from sport mm. it, like it something you love to do it's a fun it's a game but there's so many life lessons within those games within those practices that you're able to use now in life and yeah. that's that's something that I'll forever be grateful to yeah, from sport absolutely and i definitely want to go right into what you're doing now and and how your mindset as an athlete's helped you to get to this point but i don't want to overlook the fact in your time as a coach so when you left when basketball was pretty much over what was it that made you want to be a coach a and then also 
what kind of coach were you? Were you a player's coach? Were you a disciplinarian coach? All right. <laughs> probably my players would probably say different. Um, <laughs> I would say a little bit of both because I was so close for, to playing. I think I was able to relate to a lot of things the players did in college and what their mindsets were. So that kind of made me more of like a player coach because I had experienced a lot of experiences they were having. Um, but at the same time, I, I was very detailed and, and demanding from how I was taught and how my coaches were. Mm. So I could be the fun coach, but at the same time, when I meant business, when, when details, and I think the kids were able to see that, to know that, okay, we're going to have fun, but we're going to work and we're going to do things right. So I think that was the balance with me as coaching. As far as why did I want to, you know, you just want to be close to the game. I mean, I just I got through playing and I wasn't never really ready to let go right, of right. the game. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's innate. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew I still wanted to be a part. And then this was an opportunity to, to go from, from playing the coaching and still be a, a, have basketball be a big part of my life. So that uh, definitely was a, a motivator for me to say, okay, I want to go be a coach now. Got it. Got it. So now, you know, obviously you had this incredible career, got into coaching, and then now you're the athletic director at Mercy High, high school in San Francisco. Why the change, and and, and how did how did this all come about? Uh, well, we lost our jobs from coaching. No, um, <laughs> I mean the change came. Um, like I said, I went from from playing to coaching, and um, it's very demanding. Coaching is very demanding. If you if you want basketball, then coaching is something you have to be committed to. Three sixty five, seven days a week. I mean, college coaching is it's it's a nonstop. Yeah. My my thoughts was, do I want to continue with this or do I need a break? I figure I think I, I I've always been intrigued by the business side of sport and how it operates, um, mostly because of most of the teams I've played for disbanded or dispersed. So there's always been a drive there to figure out the business side of sport. And then I had this opportunity I found to come back here as an athletic director and um still contribute to sport and still be a part of sport, but seeing the other side as far as the level. Coming back to high school, I mean, once I came here, I mean, it became more of my purpose. Mm. Um, that was a feeling here. It's we're not one of the top ten high schools in the country. Our athletic program is not soaring, but the the girls, the kids, um, the participation part of why we all play sport. Right. I needed that at that point in time because coaching in college can be demanding. It can take that away. Yep. Um, and just coming back here and finding that again, um, that passion. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm here, but high school, it's a high school coach that changed my life. It was my, my track coach and she sent an application for Nancy Lieberman Klein for me to go to one of her camps that she had for underprivileged kids. Um, was in Texas. Um, it was the first time I ever boarded a plane, but she s- took the time to send in that application for me as an applicant and I, I, I got accepted. And it was me spending that time around Nancy Lieberman Klein and seeing that basketball could be a vehicle to that type of success in yeah. life. I had no idea I could get a scholarship and go to college and play basketball. You know, she had this two-story house, this huge pool, and I'm like a, <laughs> a you know, 13-year-old kid, and it's like, wow, and she's telling us sports allow me the opportunity to, to get this. Yeah. And from that point on, it became, hey, I have a talent now. Let's, you know, let's focus. Let's not be a knucklehead in school. It became something that I was driven for. So the fact that a high school coach impacted me, I'm back here to maybe 
have some type of impact on one of these kids, whether it's for them to go in and play sports or just touch their lives in a way, a positive way to give them opportunities to be successful. So Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, <laughs> how hard is it as an athletic director when you're watching, a, especially basketball, how hard is it for you know, to kind of keep your mouth shut? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's, um, I'm, I'm the, uh, making the gestures on the sideline. I'm holding my breath. But, again, I, I have confidence in, in, my, in my basketball coach here. She played here. She's, she's a nice young coach coming up. But it, it's still hard, especially for basketball, because I attend as many of the different sporting events as I can. But basketball, obviously, it's, yeah. it's my bread and butter. So I'm over there, like, mm, biting my tongue, you know. But um, it's fun. Um, just to, it's, it's fun. It brings you back to a part where, you know, like, the kids are just out there because they love it. And it just, it just encompasses you in ways that, needs to be refreshed yeah absolutely now when we think of development with kids especially being in your role how important do you think it is to have mental skills training or 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 just having a focus on mental performance and sports psychology like what's your view on that my view is like i wish that it was as available as a resource as you know, picking up a ball and dribbling. I learned throughout my career. I wish throughout my career I had been more open-minded to that aspect. Um, I mean, because there were there were sports psychologists mm -hmm. that we had, you know, opportunities to go and see. They were there, and I, I never took advantage of it because it, it it always seemed like okay, you got this, control this. Um, but now learning the more about the mental aspect of sport, and even nowadays, just the different. I mean, parents and the kids and, and, like, the drive to be professional athletes or the drive to just play um, professional sports, it's a lot on kids. I'm more open now to say, hey, this is something that kids need to learn how to deal with at earlier ages. Because, I mean, confidence, I mean, I, I go back to high school, like, like some, some of the things that happen with the kids. Now you see that they have no confidence. Yeah. And that's something that you should never lose and it's hard for athletes to not lose that and just having the avenues to go and speak to someone about it to keep you mentally in check as i would say yeah. um it's definitely something that i think it's needed um for young athletes today to help them navigate the world of sport today because even collegiately sports is on a whole another level oh yeah um that sometimes like kids need to speak about it to understand it and to let them know that they could be a certain ways and it's not a weakness or just turn it into a strength. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, at each level you go from high school to college, professional, it, the, the dynamics change, and there's so much that you'll have to deal with. Now, the reason why I always ask that question is because when you're talking to a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old, it could be even, even younger, but when you, when you start talking about fear, what that means to them and pressure and stress they don't know at that level or at that age that actually there is good pressure and there's good stress, mm -hmm. right? And there's good nerves. And, and that fear is actually what you actually created. Nobody creates the fear. So when you realize that you're the creator of it, then you can actually remove it. And just having those conversations, they might not get it fully, at least how to conquer it, but at least if you're actually introducing it now, when they get into college, when they get into professional, they'll have a different relationship with it. Definitely. Um, a perfect example, we had our uh, track and field uh, CCS uh, championships 
kids qualify. Uh, we had one kid qualify in the 200. She had qualified in the field relays as well. And she ran throughout the day in all the events. And it came, her last event was the 200. And she didn't want to run. Mm. And I remember when the coach came and said, she don't run. I was like, what do you mean she don't want to run? She's just the championship. She should be proud of her moment. But there was this mental aspect going to her. She didn't perform her best in her other um, events. Yeah. So the fear of having to go out and perform again overtook her. She's a senior and she didn't run. And I'm, I wish I had the skill to, to, to coach her to say, hey, go and enjoy your moment. Because, I mean, obviously it's a moment she won't ever get back because of that fear and, that, and not being able to handle that mentally. So that's a perfect, to me, example of mm. being able to speak to someone to overcome that fear that kept out of her senior year championships to run the 200. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's just moments like that, you know. It is it, I don't care how awesome that athlete was, right? I don't mm. care if she's the best in her class. It, there are moments where... They they overrule us and we don't know how to deal with it when we don't have we haven't had the people around us to kind of help us through those moments. So it's a great right. example. With regards to development uh, with kids, I know that you throughout your career you've always been involved in camps and you know having your own camps, but then also other people's camps. Uh, how involved are you in doing that as of today? I'm still very involved. Um, I still like getting in there and doing the game, um, just for running individuals with our kids. Now that school's winding down. But it's, I mean, I love teaching the game. I love the game and just being able to give back and to help the younger generation to share some of my my skill with them is huge for me. Like I, I, I work, I'm going to be working some camps with the Warriors uh, this summer. Former team of mine, Jennifer Azy, her camps are here. So I'm definitely be getting the gym and doing that. So those those are our basketball camps, but are also um, other types of camps that our school uh, Mercy has here that um, I'm going to be taking part of just to, to get the girls active and just some fun distraction, but still learning um, opportunities for them and places other than sport as well. Awesome. Great. Now, how can my listeners uh, follow you on social media? Social media, uh, I'm on, I'm, I'm not as big. I'm, I have, do have a Twitter account and that's Sheree Sam. Um, at Sheree Sam, at Sheree underscore Sam. So you can find me on Twitter, mostly just sharing knowledge and days and quotes. Um, I'm, I'm not an avid, um, here's what I am doing today, but I use that stage just as a way to, to enlighten and to share knowledge of things that get me through the day. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, again, this has been, um, this has been awesome having you on my show. And, uh, you know, having... You know, I've had Olympians and Olympic coaches and champions, and, and it's just, you know, my, my job's awesome. It truly is. But to have someone on my show like yourself that is sharing the championship mindset and, and just being real with your story, uh, not only means a lot to me, but I, I can only imagine that my listeners get a lot out of it. So, you know, thank you for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm great that you, you asked me on to share this. And um, like I said, sport, sport is a huge part of the world. I think it transcends so many different levels, um, brings people together, and um, it's 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 a great way for uh, others to give and to learn and just grow in life. And I think if we looked at sport and transcended that to life, that there would be enough room for for everyone, especially today with all the things that we are dealing with. You know, everyone's going to be watching the NBA Finals or the or the NLB baseball. You're a fan of the Giants. I'm a fan of Giants. It brings people together, yeah. and that's that's a positive thing about sport that that I like sharing and that that we're thankful to have. That's awesome, beautiful.
Thanks. Awesome. You bet. Bye.